Good morning. Um, I, I, uh, a couple of things before we get started. Uh, w- one, we are, uh, <laughs> there's a song that they're going to play after communion. Not the song immediately following communion, but the last song. I encourage you to stay and listen, because it was awesome. Uh, they did a great job at the first service. It was really cool. Uh, what's it called? Heart won't stop. Neither will the band. Um, they just keep on going. Unless uh, did anybody see AJ lose his stick right there? It was he was so into it, he just like threw a stick. I think it hit somebody right over there. Um, it didn't. It just went right there. But it was awesome. Uh, so uh, I encourage you to stay after that. Uh, the the altar. Uh, we are making some changes, and we're uh, eventually going to have some vestments. Um, I know that's a word we don't throw around in this sanction, in this place very often, um, but they correspond with the uh, the color of the uh, the liturgical calendar year. Um, and we also have, you know, communion and, and periodic baptisms and things. And so what we're looking for, and since you are 11 o'clock people, if you are a normal 11 o'clock person and you are here afterwards and you would like to, to help out for just a little bit of time, it doesn't take much, but we are forming an altar guild. Um, again, not necessarily language you associate with New Heights, uh, but, you know, we're not your grandfather's New Heights. Uh, we would love for you, if you have time um, and inclination, to help put away um, these things that are up here that we use for communion, that we use to decorate the altar, um, it's really not that much. You do it once a month, uh, or if we have a lot of people, it's like your Sunday in the year, um, and you take that, and that's great. Please see uh, Stacy. Are you back there? Yeah, Stacy or myself after the service. We would love to direct you and to have your help. Um, and then also, you may notice uh, at 11, if you if you hang around a little bit, that people that we put up the chairs. Um, if you could hang around a little bit longer and help stack a few, uh, that would be great. Last week it was Kevin by himself, um, and he was very angry and bitter, um, and cause he's 50 now, uh, and it, he's just getting more angry and more bitter all the time. Um, but in a nice way, in a nice Southern, you know, gentleman way. Uh, so we would love to have your help with those things being a part of this uh, community as well. And, and then Daryl already mentioned, but I encourage you, if, uh, if you have time, 6 o'clock, to come out to the, the last night of Sukkot. Um, if any of you were at any of the Sukkot nights this week with the food trucks, I will say I hope you had as much fun as I did. I was here every night, and it was great. Uh, it was so much fun. The food was awesome. Savory from Austin, the grilled cheese truck. Grilled, grilled cheese truck. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, while it took about 17 hours um, standing in line to actually get to place your order and get the food, I would wait 24. Um, it was so good. I had a grilled cheese on whole wheat with uh, Havarti and cheddar with taco meat and Mexican sour cream. I know, right? Uh, like We should all go to Austin and find her right now. Uh, it was so great. Uh, but uh, it was just an awesome time to be in the community, so thanks for coming out, uh, those of you who did, and the rest of you. We'll have a talk later. So we're in this, uh, this series that we were talking about being connected with God, being connected with each other, and being connected with the rest of the world. And last week we, we started by saying, in order to do these three things, you have to start from a foundation of something. And that foundation, we said, uh, was the Shema, um, was what Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, it is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. These are the things on which you must build in order to truly connect with God, to truly connect with each other, and to truly connect with the rest of the world. So starting from there, the next step is to understand that God calls you to be connected to him. In Mark chapter 3, 
verse 13, it says this. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. Simon, who was named Peter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Love those guys. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, some of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what you should have taken from that scripture is that Jesus calls you to do what? Cast out demons. You should have said cast out demons. Uh, Because clearly it says that. I am calling you to accompany me to preach these things and to cast out demons. So who wants to be the first? Jordan, you raised your hand. Hammer. I'm kidding. We're not casting out demons in here. We have a box of snakes back here too. We're going to grab some snakes. So the casting out demons thing is a little weird. Right? It's like we start waiting in this, and, and like there are some people at the ninth that are like, yes! You know, and I'm like, well, okay, you're one. Uh, we need to cast something out of you because you're way too excited in a Methodist church. But it, it, it's, not, it's not something, you know, you can, you can do a lot with this. There's a whole lot to do with this. Do you go down the road of, okay, what are demons? How are you be possessed by demons? How do you cast out a demon? Because Jesus had just gone through this stuff where he heals a man, and then he's walking along, and these people who are possessed by demons are falling down at his feet going, Son of man, what do you want from us? And he's like, shh, don't tell people who I am yet. I'm not ready. And then right after he calls the apostles, he goes and he does what? He casts out a demon from a man who's possessed. So clearly there's something to this. Now, you can say intellectually, well, they didn't really know what was going on with people's minds back then. And so mental illnesses, I I bet a lot of times were attributed to demons. That's just a demon in him. And today we would go, well, maybe there's something else going on. So there's these different things going on. And it's such a huge topic. We're not going to talk about it at all. I hope you weren't going, yes, I can't wait to get into this. Because we're not. What I think is that there's like this juxtaposition that, that Jesus is doing here between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. Because demons stand for death and shame and guilt. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, stands for life and love and mercy and peace. So what Jesus is doing here, I believe, and I will, I will throw out to you, is that he is setting this up. He's going, look, there's, two, there's a difference between the kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the world and there's this kingdom I'm bringing. And I'm calling you to be a part of this kingdom, to separate yourself from this. You are to be different than the world is. You are not to stand for death or evil or injustice. You're to stand for love and mercy and grace and peace and justice. And then he calls 12 of them. And let's run down the list a little bit of those 12. We've talked about them in here from time to time. We've got two sets of brothers. You've got Simon and Andrew from Bethsaida. They're fishermen. You have the sons of thunder, James and John, also from Bethsaida, also fishermen. If you remember when Jesus calls them, he's walking along the shore. They're out fishing with their dads, and he's like, hey, come follow me. And they're like, yes, leave their dad in their nets, and they run to go follow Jesus. We've talked about the significance of that moment. 
Further down the line, you have Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector. I know, I just said like a bad word, tax collector. Because that's what they thought of him. The tax collector in these times was a horrible person. They used other people to profit for themselves. They stepped on and squashed their fellow Jews. They were seen as like the bottom barrel scum. Jesus pulls him out. Simon, the zealot. There's an argument that you could say Judas Iscariot is also, you can translate into into Judas the assassin, that he was a zealot also. But you call a zealot, two zealots possibly to follow you. Man, the zealots were, when you think of a zealot, you don't think of somebody who's just tiptoeing through the tulips, right? You think of somebody that's a little crazy, somebody that's a little on the edge, maybe even over the edge. The zealots were that. They were people who were Jews that believed strongly in God and strongly that the Messiah, in order for the Messiah to come, they had to get rid of some people. And the way that they would do this is they'd walk around town and they'd have this little dagger that they would hide and it would be a little curved dagger. And when they would walk up to a Roman, they would go right in their rib cage and drop them. And in the midst of the crowd, they would just disappear. They were great at this, very trained to do this. And yet Jesus the Messiah, who's bringing the kingdom of heaven, calls two of these people to be with him. You know, many times what the sermon, how the sermon goes is, look at all the people that God chooses to use. Look at the things that are wrong with them. You know, we talked about the fact that the fishermen, the reason that they're fishing is because no one else wanted them. Their heart's desire would be to follow a rabbi. Their heart's desire would to be continuing to study God and to just be one of those people who sits immersed in the text day in and day out. But they weren't good enough. I don't know what it was. Maybe their mind just couldn't grasp hold of things. Maybe their recitation, because that was important, maybe they just weren't there. But for whatever reason, rabbis looked at them and went, no. Sometimes what we believe is that Jesus recruiting the replacements. Any Keanu Reeves fans in here? You know, the quarterback Falco, baby. You know, he, no, one else, they got, no one else wanted these guys. They're horrible. And you're like, you know what? That's, that's who I want. I want you people. And if you look back in the text, you see this multiple times. You see, you see Moses, who has this inability really to speak. And yet God says, you're going to be the leader of my people. You're going to be the voice of me. David. Whew. Let's not even get started with David. What a train wreck of a life this guy has. And yet it is from the throne of David that the Messiah will come. Time and time again, you see God choosing to use people that the world looks at and goes, really? See, what I always do with this is go, yay, there's hope for me too. Because I look at myself as a just bumbling kind of like, really, God? God's like, I know. Do you ever feel that way? Like, you know, and this is, I, I've, I have done this sermon. Man, if God can even use those people, he can use me. Oh, that gives me such great hope. But I want to look at this from a different light. Because I'm seeing it through the eyes of one who lives in the kingdom of the world. But maybe Jesus isn't looking at the negative aspects of those people at all. Maybe Jesus in the kingdom of heaven is seeing these people 
and the great things that they have to offer. Fishermen. Talk about a long, boring job. Talk about just sitting and having to be patient and, and casting your net and not getting anything back and the feeling of disappointment and failure that that must give. Talk about somebody who understands what it means to cast and get nothing back. Well, guess what? When you go into the kingdom of the world proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, there are going to be multiple times when people don't respond. There are going to be time and time again where people turn their back on you, where you have to sit and you just be patient and wait. Don't you think that that's a huge asset to bring? That maybe some of the other guys, some of the other disciples didn't have that. And James and John and Simon and Andrew are like, hey, guys, it's cool. Sometimes you cast out and you don't get anything, but you just cast again. Let's persevere. Let's keep doing this. We can go. God sees in them something amazing. Then, then like Matthew. Oh, man, why, why Matthew? He clearly did not care what people thought about him. Like, it just doesn't matter. You say all these things about me, I don't care. Give me your money anyway. This was his job. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful attribute that would be when you're going into a place that's going to spit on you that's going to shout against you, that's going to call for your death, to stand there and go, bring it. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you think of me because I know who I am. Oh, what an amazing quality that is to bring to the rest of the kingdom. The zealots? You need some zealots in your life, right? Because there are going to be those times that when you run into those fierce walls and the zealots are like, uh, we are going through this. Come on. You need a little bit of that crazy in you, right? Everybody needs a little bit of crazy. Because in those moments when you're stopped, in those moments when you're scared, you got to fight through that. And those zealots brought that understanding to the rest of the disciples. The fishermen are like, man, we've never seen stuff like this. The zealots are like, us either, but let's go. Yeah, you know. How awesome that they they had that quality that would add to the benefit of the kingdom of heaven. I think God sometimes, when when we see the negative aspects of things and we're like seeing Falco and the replacements, God's like, are you kidding me? This is first team. It's just the, the, the facades that we've put up and the things that we focus on as the world. Last night I, I got to go to Jenna's 20-year high school reunion. Class of 95, mules. Yeah. I don't know if y'all ever do that, but I think it's awesome. I thought of it just a second ago, really. And, and I went, and so, I, you know, being the outsider that I am, uh, I, I got to stand on the sidelines, really, with some of the other outsiders um, and, and talk and like, oh, uh, where'd you meet your wife? I don't really care. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm never going to see you again. You you live in California. That's great. Um, nice to meet you. Uh, you know, because I'm caring like that. And and and, uh, and so, you see, but one of the things I was doing is I was listening. I was listening to people's conversations. It was wonderfully funny for me to sit and to hear, you know, see these two people. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in 20 years. And and to like to hug and something. And they're like, so what have you been up to? Wow, that's a broad. Well, I graduated high school um, first. 
you know, I mean, going over 20 years. And then, uh, and then what, what do I, I went to college. And you know what people led with? What, what do you lead with in those things? The puff chest and stuff, right? Well, you know, I'm working on some genetic things. And, uh, and we're working with stem cell research. And we're doing great things. Great things. One of the guys actually does that. He's brilliant. Some of you may know who I'm talking about. But uh, I'm like, tell me something about you. That doesn't tell me about you. Get deeper. What is it? But we put up these facades, and especially at reunions, you know what nobody led with? My life's been a mess. Man, it has been a tough, tough decade for me. (laughs) Because everybody's like... Dude, stay away from Bob, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Holy cow. But so often we put these, like, facades up, and, we, and we, we put things on where we want the world to see us in a certain way. And we don't just do this at reunions. We do this all the time. We want people to see us as how we want to be, not necessarily how we truly are. We want to be seen all the time as the varsity squad when, in essence, sometimes maybe we're just JV. Or maybe we're varsity on another type of squad, but we don't really like that squad. We'd rather be varsity on this squad. How often do you present a self to people around you that you know is not truly who you are? You discount some of the things that make you amazing and great and put forward these other things that are like, yeah, they're good. But that's not why you're awesome. I do this all the time. I lead with comedy and sarcasm all the time. It's not a successful sermon for me in here unless you're laughing multiple times. And let me tell you, I have to be really honest with you people. You're a hard audience. 930, they're easy. Like I say anything, I'm like blue. (laughs) You people, I give my best lines and you're like. I'm just saying, you should... Look into your hearts about this. I think there's some bitterness in there somewhere. I don't know why. Keona Reeves, only Dr. T got that joke. I mean, that's a great joke. Who likes Keona Reeves? I, this guy. So, so it's not, not really true. Um, so, so I, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and, and so I lead with these things, and, and I try to, to do this. And, and you know the side of me that I hide most often in any conversation that I am? the caring soft side in fact most of the time i I would really i would really like it if you didn't know that i was caring isn't that weird you know the other pastors call me the the pastor that doesn't care i'm the pastor that doesn't care i'm the pastor doesn't care if you like me but the truth is i do i do actually i have a heart that just breaks for people I have a heart that just, I see injustice or I see pain, I see suffering, and I just break. And I want to just sit with the person. I just want to go, man, I know it. I, don't, I, I can't fix it, but let me just sit here with you. But the truth is I hide that a lot. Because I'd rather be seen as this more powerful, authoritative, like, yo, let's go, let's go into the kingdom. Sometimes I just want to cry into the kingdom. Hallmark movies make me cry. Even the commercials sometimes. 
I'm like, he hasn't seen him in 30 years in the garden. It's all my. Sometimes, you know, I, I just have that side of me, but, but I don't show it all the time. And Jesus is like, how come? I made you that way. I don't need another comedian who stands forward and acts like he's a bigger deal than he is. I need somebody who knows he's not. Sometimes I let the kingdom of the world drive what I show. Sometimes I let the kingdom of the world and what I think I need to put forward tell me how I'm going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think what this scripture, what this part of the story tells me, God's like, I didn't choose you for these reasons. I chose you because of your you. Because you're amazing. And yes, you don't always do everything right. And yes, there is pain and suffering in your life. And yes, you're really funny. But there's more. Show you. You're not a replacement. I said, hey. You, come here. Come be with me. And let's do amazing things. What, what is it that God, because God's saying that to you right now. Hey, you, fill in your name. Come here. I want you to be with me because of who you are. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the way that you have so lovingly and beautifully created each one of us. We thank you that you care so much for us. That you created us the way that you have. Forgive us, Father, for those moments where we have walked away from those things. That we have took it upon ourselves to think that you know, this is how we should be. That you want us to be who we are. God, as we come to this table this morning, help us to realize that it is through your love, through your death, through your conquering of death, that we have life. That we have been called to live with you. That we have been called to live into this kingdom of heaven, bringing with us your peace, your justice, your mercy, your love, your grace. Help us to understand that it is the very way that you created us that is going to make the biggest difference in this world. If you are helping with communion right now, if you would come forward. And the rest of you, if you would continue with me in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you that on the night you were to be betrayed, you took the bread, you blessed God, you broke it, and you said, take this, eat. All of you, this is my body, which is given for you. After supper was over, you took the cup and you raised it to heaven and you blessed God. And you said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come in remembrance of these mighty acts of salvation. We come acknowledging that by the power of the Holy Spirit, these would be made for us the body of and blood of Christ, and that by consuming this, we become one with you, holy and living sacrifices, proclaiming the good news in the kingdom of the world that the kingdom of heaven has come.
In Jesus' name, amen. As you come forward this, uh, this morning, know a few things. One, this is not a Methodist table or Alamo Heights table. It's God's table. And because of that, all who care to come and receive this gift are welcome. We do communion here by uh, what's known as intinction, which means you'll be given a piece of the bread to which you will then dip into the cup. And after you come through um, the line, there will be prayer. Underneath the Jesus cross um, is one, and she's doing anointing. And then there will be some prayer over here on this side uh, of, uh, as well. Um, and then we'll do the center sections first. You, you wings, stay where you are. They'll come to you. Um, let's see if you're smarter than 930. You don't laugh as much, but I think you're smarter. The table is prepared and open. Come.
bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he lift up your countenance and give you peace and grace and a fullness of joy. Amen.
I'm like, I don't know why. Who spoke and taught the sun to rise? Whose lips proclaimed the birth of light? Who sparked the kindling of stars?